0: In our series on lead, learning how to lead, you are, whether you realize it or not, you are a leader. You are leading something. You might be a leader in your workplace, you might be a leader in the church, um, you might be leading your household. And if you're not, you're at least leading somebody, and that body is you. You are at least leading yourself. If you're not, you're in big trouble, so we need to talk later. But you're at least leading yourself. And so it's important that we tap into the spiritual gift of leadership. Everybody has access to it. Everybody can, can say, you know what, I need to apply this into my life a little bit more so you can access the spiritual gift of leadership, even though you might not feel like you're naturally inclined to be a leader. I am not a natural leader, believe it or not. Like, I'm an introvert. Um, I just, I don't really feel the need to be, well, let me rephrase, sometimes I feel like I have to be in control. a little bit of a control freak at times, but um, yeah, I never went out for ASB president or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I didn't want it. I didn't desire it, but this is what the Lord has placed on me, and so uh, I have learned how to be a leader. It's not a natural gifting. It's a learned gifting, and I I decided, okay, I'm going to tap into the spiritual gift of leadership. I'm going to make the decision to do so. And today's topic, we're actually—it's being based off of this book called *Lead by Paul Tripp*. And so we're going basically each sermon is chapter by chapter. So if you want to dive in a little bit deeper, I want to encourage you to get the book. Uh, I want to warn you—you you might throw this book across the room. Uh, you might be like, "Yeah, Pastor Josh, this isn't what I want. I'm going to—I'm uh, going to behave myself." But yeah, this is this is pushing too hard but it's 12 principles for leadership inside of the church i want to i want to develop a church culture that's healthy that has good leadership across the board from you know leadership from the pulpit to leadership to who's scraping the gum off the carpet it's important every little bit every little thing that we do is important today's topic is called war that's, this, that's, that's the name of the chapter, war. What do you think they could be possibly talking about? We're talking about the idea of spiritual warfare. It's a real thing. Do you know that, uh, that you have always been at war? There has not been a single day in your life when you have not been warring. Whether your position might be a passive, submittive position, or maybe you're just completely clueless, you're being bombarded by bullets, whether you realize it or not. Before you stepped across that line of faith, before you said, I am going to give my life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to make him the Lord of my life, before you did that, you were at war. You were just at war with God. God. Before you got saved, you were at war with God. Did you know that? Your flesh, your desires, your intentions, your, your temptations, your will, your drive, everything was fighting against what God wanted you wants for you for your life. Why? Because when, you don't submitted, when you're not submitted to the Lord, you are the Lord of your own life. And when you are the Lord of your own life, you will inevitably be at war with God. Nobody can tell me what to do. Don't tread on me. Yeah. You had a in, inside the inside the container of your heart, you had a yellow flag with a snake on it that says don't tread on me, don't tell me what to do. I guess it got political, didn't I? Yeah, right. Got to be careful who our idols are and where we put our faith and where we put our trust in. The day that you stepped across that line of faith, The day that you said, you know what? I'm going to quit trusting in myself. I'm going to quit trusting in the government. I'm going to quit trusting in my spouse. I'm going to quit trusting in systems. I'm going to quit trusting in my career. I'm going to quit trusting in my education. And I'm going to put all of my faith, all of my trust, all of my hope into the Lord Jesus Christ. The day you took that big, bold step, you started a new war with the devil himself. Before you were saved, he was just ignoring you. You were insignificant. You had no plan. You had no purpose. The day that you came into faith, you had a whole new plan. You have a whole new purpose. You have a whole new destiny. And it is now the enemy's assignment to undo the whole thing, to wreck your life, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're not painfully aware of that reality that there are spiritual forces of darkness that want to undo you and kill you and to discourage you and to make you sick and to lead you into temptation and to humiliate you in front of your church family and and friends like if you're not aware of that if you're not mindful of that i guarantee you the enemy of god will try and he will succeed in warfare against you if you are not mindful of what's going on. In Paul Tripp's book, which is great, it's only one chapter dedicated to the idea or the concept of spiritual warfare. There's a lot more to it. I did a couple of podcasts on spiritual warfare, so if you want to dive in deeper, listen to those. I just did them, and then it comes up again. But Tripp's angle which piggybacks off of last week's sermon on character. Trip is going to highlight or focus on the side of an attack that attacks our character and our flesh. Yeah. I have an overactive imagination. I like sci-fi movies. I like fantasy movies. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm a big, you know, C.S. Lewis, Narnia fan. Like I just, like I like it. I like the. You guys know this about me. I like the extraordinary. I like the miraculous. I like the spiritual. I'm 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 wired that way. I'm I'm spiritually minded. I guess you could say. But what Paul Tripp is going to illustrate, and what my father has preached for years, what we've adopted, is that spiritual warfare doesn't feel spiritual. Do I need to say it again? Spiritual warfare doesn't feel spiritual. Now, usually when I bring up the topic of spiritual warfare, our minds are, are activated, our imaginations are activated, and we begin to think in heavenly realms. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but, but the Bible normalizes spiritual warfare. The Bible does not dramatize spiritual warfare. Now, there are moments, and I've seen them, I've experienced them, when you're in the midst of spiritual warfare and things manifest in ways that are kind of weird and kind of out of the extraordinary, like like demon possession, like people, people are sometimes they're demon possessed, you know. And I don't know what to tell you about your mother-in-law, but sometimes we just we just this is the way that it is. <laughs> sorry, <I, laughs> getting some head shakes. I'm sorry. Now the idea here is that um, when we bring up the topic of spiritual warfare, our imagination immediately goes to supernatural types of movies like The Exorcist or The Blair Witch Project or all these scary things that you should not be watching anyway. Spiritual warfare doesn't always manifest, hardly ever manifests in something weird hardly ever manifests in a dream or a vision or a prophecy or a deliverance. It's, again, the Bible normalizes it. The Bible is a book that is concerned about character and development and spiritual maturity. Like if you really want to fight spiritual battles, you need to become spiritually mature. Now, if you are like me, You might be, uh, this this will tell you what I've been watching this week, you might be force sensitive. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You might be force sensitive. You might have a little bit of the Jedi spirit in you, right? Some people are just naturally wired spiritually. Maybe they sense certain things. Maybe they they know something that's going to take place before it happens. Maybe um, maybe they know when something's wrong. They're very intuitive. They're very tapped in spiritually. Okay, ready for this? Hang on to your seats. Just because you might be spiritually sensitive doesn't mean that you're spiritually mature. Um, tarot card readers are spiritually sensitive but they also work for the devil. They're not spiritually mature. Horoscope readers, they might be spiritually sensitive, but they're tapping into things that they should not be messing around with. So just because you're spiritually sensitive doesn't mean that you're spiritually immature or even submitted to the Lord. So we can't deceive ourselves just because we get a dream and it feels weird, yeah. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to read it from this book because I don't know what the translation is, and I like how he words it. Ephesians 6, chapter 12, chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. So that needs to, you need to adjust your mind that there's something going on in heavenly realms that we're not always aware of. All right, I'm going to read it in this version. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings but with the highest principalities and the authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Okay, So this is one of the most significant, powerful passages on the the reality of what spiritual warfare is. Now, if you've ever been confronted with the forces of darkness, it can be an ominous feeling. Specifically, if you are not walking with the Lord. Again, before you were saved, the devil could care less about you because you're just one of his playthings. You're not a threat to him. But once you become a threat to him, once you give your life over to the Lord, it is the enemy's job to, to scare you, to, to make you live in a constant state of fear, to You ready for this, to tempt you. The, the enemy of God, his number one strategy is temptation. Temptation doesn't feel spiritual because temptation is a carnal desire. It is a fleshly um, impulse. It is what our old man or our old woman, our old person, you are a new creation now, but your old person is trying to resurrect itself. And it wants, it desires the things that your old person has. And so your spirit person is at war with your old person. Does that make sense? All right. I have, a, I have an illustration. Oh, Patricia, I forgot about your little event. All right, real quick, let's get her done. Wonders, miracles, freedoms, deliverance. Please come and join us. When is it? Tonight. 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 Yep. LA County Fairgrounds. LA County Fairgrounds. LA County Fairgrounds. Tonight. Mario Miller has been around for a very long time. He's a man of character. He's a good godly man. So you got my you got my endorsement. Okay. Um When confronted with the spiritual darkness, spiritual forces of darkness, the fear that that impulse applies is to get you to fall to temptation. That's what the enemy of God wants you to do. He wants you to fall to temptation. There is a historical character who confronted the devil. And he tried his hardest To combat this evil, he went through all the motions. He said all the right things. And yet, in in the end, he failed. I'm not talking about Faust, I'm talking about Benny. Benny, the character from the epic movie The Mummy. Okay, so we're going to show the mummy movie. We're going to show a clip from the mummy movie. And so heads up, there's a mummy in the mummy clip. What? And it might be a little scary for some of you. So just like, close your eyes and, and cover your ears. But this is an illustration that I think and I hope will land. So let's bring the lights down and let me show you Benny's failure. Okay. Scary moment. But do you want to know what the scariest part of the whole thing is? Is that he called Satan Lord because the enemy of God was offering him what his heart's desire, which was gold. See, that's what we really need to fear. We don't need to fear the monsters. We need to fear ourselves and our own fleshly desires. That's where the real battle takes place. It's not in spooky monsters. It's not by devils hiding behind, pitch, you know, behind bushes with their pitchfork ready to jump out and get you. It's not about weird dreams. No, it's about our character. I'm going to reference you back to last week's message on character from Pastor Michael Jones. Because the enemy of God is going to test your mettle. He's going to test your character. And you can, you can face off against the enemy of God and you can pull out your cross and you can say some magic prayers or you can pull out some amulets and think that it's going to work and, and you can put holy water on your doors. You can do all of these things. Okay, you ready for this? You can, you can speak the name of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. There is power in the name of Jesus. But just because you know the name of the Lord doesn't mean that the Lord knows your name. Just because you've got some scriptures memorized doesn't mean that it is living inside of your heart. Could you imagine the frustration of the religious folk that knew all these magic words and they even did all the things that Jesus were doing? And when, it, when, it, when the time came and when then Jesus is separating the goats from the sheep, he says, uh, look, look, you did all these things in my name, but I never knew you. And I know you know my name, but I don't know your name. And so this is a self-deception. We tend to think that we're spiritually mature because we've got all the junk around our neck, but it's not doing us any good because we fall prey to temptation. He just wants to scare you into falling into temptation. Do you think, despite Benny's knowledge and his wisdom on all of these spiritual things. Do you think that Benny is a man of character before he, before he blew it? Do you think he's a man of character? Do you think Benny was going to church every Sunday? He's got the cross, right? He's got the words, but do you think he's going to church every Sunday? Do you think he's fellowshipping with people? Do you think he has any level of accountability into, in his life? Where do you think Benny is hanging out at, on the weekends? He's hanging out at the bar. He's hanging at the Casbah. <laughs> do you think that Benny is a humble person? Do you think that he's willing to give of himself? Or is it all about Benny? It's all about what, well, obviously it's all about Benny, what Benny can get. Because once he sees the gold, he says, oh, like that fear turns into praise. Oh, my prince, you're giving me what I want. Do you think Benny knows that there is a holy, good, and loving God behind the scenes that has already won the victory and that has already won the battle? Clearly not. The day I was ordained as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was a cool moment going home. As it normally is, I always, you know, when driving home, I noticed that, you know, my gas level was low. I always take it down to, the line, down to the line or below the line. It's like, oh, man, I'm not going to make it home. I better get some gas or pump in some gas. And again, this is the day I was ordained. A really attractive woman hit on me in the gas station. Now, it does not happen every day. <laughs> I know you're like, wow, probably, you do this every day, huh? It, no, I do not get hit on every day. There's not a huge market for short little hairy guys. We don't do well. Five-five guys don't attract the ladies. For me to attract the ladies, I had to depend on my, my quick wit and sense of humor. <laughs> But it was, I'm a hunk, of, a hunk of man, whatever my wife said, yes. Um, but it was so bizarre. It was so blatant. It was so natural because it was appealing to my flesh. But it was very spiritual, right? And once I was able to put my mind into a mindset like, wait a minute, this is a play. This is, this is, this is spiritual, Once I was able to uncover and unveil what the enemy of God was doing, then it becomes laughable. Uh, Incidentally, uh, temptation has always been one of those things that that the enemy of God has tried to get me on. And any person that steps into ministry, into leadership, uh, you will be tempted wherever your weakness is. Continually. And it doesn't go away. You can try and pray it away, you can try to emulate it away, but it ain't going away. Why? Because your character needs to build and needs to be strong. You need to be able, you need, God wants you to develop into a spiritual maturity where you're walking in integrity. And so you have to ask yourself, what there's a lot of things you need to ask yourself. Uh, what is your purpose? What is God's purpose for your life? That's a good one. You need to ask yourself I think this is relevant. You need to ask yourself if the Lord takes you today, are you going to be okay with that? Life is short, it's uncertain. You never know when that day will be. Are you okay? Are you okay in the sight of the Lord? And in the area of spiritual warfare, you need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, what is my weakness? And you can't lie to yourself. We're masters at lying to ourselves. And so you need to be able to be in the context of a spiritual community where you can ask other people where your blind spots are. Can you do that? is there people built into your life that can give you accountability that can show you where your spiritual blind spots are the desires of the flesh maybe it's not sexual maybe it's financial maybe it's not financial maybe it's pride maybe it's not pride maybe it's your desire to control manipulate people I can keep going right those are all desires of the flesh. What are your weaknesses? What are your desires? Where is the enemy of God tempting you? Now, the antidote to this, the, the, the way that we become spiritually mature, three things. One is that we must become um, humble in heart. Meaning that we need to know and understand the condition of our hearts. We have to have our position of our heart always has to be in a, in a, in a position of humility. Benny was not a humble man. You could tell by the way he dressed, right? And all, he, he was just flashy. He was not a humble man. So humility says, okay, I want to be God's vessel. I want to be used by God. But I have to humble myself and submit myself to his ways. Humility means that you cannot access spiritual power within your own means, that you have to be submitted to the body of Christ in order to fully flourish in the midst of spiritual power. Again, everybody, not everybody, but some of us are more spiritually sensitive than others. Yeah? Before I gave you the bad news today that I have lost a close friend, before you knew that, if you are a sensitive person, you might have picked up on my vibe. I'm a little low. I'm a little blue. My friend just died. Yeah? And if you're not in a relationship with me, If you're not doing community with me in the church, if you didn't get the memo, you might come in, pick up on my vibe, and say there's something wrong with Pastor Josh. The enemy of God's got a hold of him. But see, you just don't know, right? So this is the importance of being completely connected to the body of Christ, because information is key. And the way that God communicates to us is this level, but it's also through each other. And so you have to be connected in order to truly understand what God's will is and where he's leading us. You okay if I vent for a second? Can I tell you what really grinds my gears? What really chaps my hide? What makes me uh, want to strangle people? This, this grinds my gears. Like, we're doing church. I'm here every Sunday. We're, we're all here worshiping together, corporately. And then somebody that I haven't seen in six months or maybe a year, they have no accountability, no humility, but they deem themselves as spiritual giants and they come into church and they want to give me a word of knowledge and they have, even, they have no idea what's going on in my life. And then they want to give me a word like, oh, Pastor Josh, I can sense that there's a dark cloud on you. Well, yeah, there's a dark cloud on me. My friend just died. Don't put your juju on me unless you're willing to be in a relationship with me. You know what was amazing about Michael Friesen? Is he cared? He cared more about me than he. Ready for this? Michael cared more about me than he cared about my ministry. Yeah. Amen. And so I would allow him to pray for me, and I would receive it. Sometimes when people pray for me, I'm just nice. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's like, I do not receive that word, I do not receive that prayer. Uh okay, Benny, go back to your charms and go back to your crystals and go do your thing, but I'm gonna just like brush that off. That, no thank you. No, I wanna I wanna receive words of God from people that are close and that are connected. Does that make sense? That's what humility does, that's what character does, that's what strength does. You have to be wise in whom you allow to give you spiritual direction and wisdom. Do not receive, listen to me, do not receive spiritual guidance from self-proclaimed saints that have forsaken the gathering. Because they're people of, of no accountability. They're people that Maybe they're gifted, but just because they're gifted doesn't mean that you're mature. So don't receive words from people that forsake the gathering. Like the gathering, it's Sabbath. You don't want to receive words from people that don't Sabbath. You don't want to receive words from people That jump to every single new spiritual class that is marketed on the internet. That's like Benny pulling out all these different little charms and and quoting things. Like, don't receive words from people that that have a short attention span on what tickles their fancy, what tickles their ears. Now, you need to be consistent in the Word of God. Like, this is a great book. I love it so, sometimes. Again, I want to throw it across the room at other times. But this book does not replace the Bible. My friend, Alan Stretch, he's just doing a thing. He's like, hey, guess what I'm doing? I'm like, what are you doing, Alan? He's like, I'm not reading books anymore, I'm not reading commentaries anymore. I'm not reading any of the theological stuff anymore. I have freed myself and the only thing that I read is the Bible. And I can't tell you how that, how good that feels. Isn't that interesting? So it, the, t- the, the text is our primary source. The Bible is our primary source. That's good, but the, the, this is the primary source. Yeah? Okay. So Point number one, humility. You need to be able to walk humbly before our God, and that's a difficult thing for most of us to do. Secondly, is that we need to have, and I already kind of alluded to this, we need to have our eyes open. Okay, in the spiritual realm, you need to have your eyes open. You need to know that we're we're functioning in the area of spiritual realms. There are spiritual forces of darkness that want to undo you. They have a plan. You might not have a plan for your life, but I guarantee you that somebody else does. His name is Beelzebub. He's got a plan for your life. You need to be around people where you can talk openly about spiritual warfare. And back to trip, you need to talk openly about what your temptations are. Yeah? Or can you do that? Like, again, you need to be able to be transparent about where your weaknesses are. That's called accountability. You need to be, you know what was amazing about, I'm sorry, I keep on talking about my friend. You know what was amazing about Michael Friesen? He was extremely transparent. I'm like, Michael, I, I kind of feel uncomfortable about you telling me this right now. <laughs> but he was so open about his life and so transparent about his life. Like, I mean, I probably know more than most because I was his pastor, but he told me everything. He had a confessional lifestyle. He, he, con- he confessed it. He confessed and warred against where his mind went. He's like, I'm, I'm struggling with this. You have to be, when we build in accountability in your life, when you're like, okay, I'm going to be accountable, when you are accountable, you need to be able to tell this person that you're accountable with where your mind wanders and what you think about. The mind, there is a battle. We're talking about war. The battlefield takes place in the mind. And so what you think about will eventually guide and lead what you feel about, but what you will also become. If your mind, I know I just showed you a clip from a horror movie, right? I had a purpose with that. Hopefully that, that illustration landed. But if your mind, if you're constantly Feeding your mind on dark, evil images. If you're constantly feeding your mind, and/or allowing your kids, we're getting, we're coming up, we're bumping up on Halloween here. Uh, if you're if you're allowing your kids to watch horror movies, you not only are you feeding your mind. Oh, I want to say bad words. Not only are you feeding your mind, but you're allowing your kids to feed their mind on darkness. If you're, all right. Let's pick on something else besides movies. If you're constantly feeding your mind on all of the negative things that are happening political, politically, or in the world, like I'm, then they're legit. Like I'm not saying that you don't need to wake up and be aware of what's going on. But if that is your constant stream of diet, if that's the only thing, if you're just ruminating on all these horrible things that all these horrible politicians are doing. Like if that's what your entertainment is, if that's what you're feeding your mind on, whatever you feed your mind on, you feed your soul on. If you are always thinking about and ruminating, ready for this? If you're always thinking about and ruminating on the day that you were abused, or the day that you were hurt, or the day that you were abandoned, I know that that's some deep wound stuff. I get it. The Bible says if you're ruminating on it like a cow is chewing on its cud and you just keep on eating it and you just keep on eating it, then your mind just gets darker and darker and darker. If you're unable to forgive, then your mind is trapped. The battlefield is in your mind and you're losing that, that fight. You lose the battlefield in the mind. It will influence your soul. The mind is, I mean, it's a weird mind-soul connection, but when we're thinking about stuff, when we choose to think about stuff, you're using a muscle, and it's called your brain. And once that brain gets dark, it's it's going to influence your soul, and your soul will begin to change its character. It will begin to change its will. It will begin to change its personality. If you begin, if you are continually thinking about all of these negative things, your soul will transform into a negative person, a negative persona. And so, I want to challenge you in a very big way. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? What's on your mind today? I want to encourage you that the antidote if you're thinking about constant negative scary depressing horrible things like if you're if you're a constant diet of that i want to encourage you to the 4-8 principle philippians 4-8 it's back there on that wall whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy you constantly think about these things. Transformation of the mind will direct the soul, which will literally change your personality. Some of us need a personality change. Yeah? Now, once your personality is transformed, once it is submitted and aware, then it needs to submit wholeheartedly to the Spirit. I know I'm not reading lots of Scripture today, but I have another one for you. This is Romans 13, 12. The night, and I don't know what translation this is, so don't put it up on the screen because I know that's the wrong one. Just listen. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. I love that. We need to put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not into orgies or drunkenness. Okay, I know that a lot of you haven't been to an orgy lately. It's just the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, but let's just... Okay, drunkenness, uh, sexual immorality, you can fill in the gap there. Sensuality, you can fill in the gap there. In addition to those big heavy ones, not in quarreling and jealousy. Isn't that annoying when the Lord lumps... uh, Quarreling and jealousy with orgies. I'm just something I we to think about this. That's how important it is. I mean, we thought sexual immorality was bad. You know what's just as bad as quarreling and jealousies, and gossip and slander. It's just as bad. Fun stuff, Bible stuff. I wouldn't have written it that way. <laughs> But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for flesh to gratify its desires. Galatians 5, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You want to be a good person. You want to walk rightly with the Lord. You want to be a respectable person in your community. You want a better relationship with God. And why can't you do it? It's because your flesh is a warring against your spirit. And you, you, need a, you need to let your spirit win. And you need to kill the flesh. All right. And then finally, so first point, humility. Second point, accountability. And then the third point, is that when you accept that call to follow the lord when you when you come to the realization that you are no longer at war with god that you are at war with the devil whenever you find yourself in that position whenever the mindset clicks that i'm at a war you need to figure out where you are at because warfare and ministry is is not a is not a fortress defending type of warfare once we begin to cloister once we begin to seal off our four walls, either in church or whether our own personal life, where we decide, okay, this is this is our little social group, this is our little club, we're not gonna let other people in. These people will scare me, I don't like them. We're gonna we're gonna just like not let them in. Whenever we cloister, whenever we put up the walls that don't allow people in, whenever we say to ourselves, we're just gonna be safe here. Um, That's a warfare strategy that's doomed to fail. Just ask King David. I brought up this one a couple weeks ago. King David, uh, he was like, man, I'm tired. I've been fighting a long time. I need a break. I need a vacation. I'm not going to do this battle. I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to relax. But when we find ourselves in spiritual warfare... You can't stay hidden in the walls of the castle. Your most and safest place is on the front lines. Fighting. Once we take this, I need to, I need to play it safe attitude. I need, to, I, need to, I need to make sure that everything is okay and we're just going to balance and we're going to maintain. I'm going to relax a little bit. I'm going to get a little lazy. Once we do that, uh, what happened to David? David. How did the devil get him? How did this spiritual warfare thing play out? It was temptation. It was that devil holding out in you know in front of David a handful of gold, or in this case, a handful of Bathsheba. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good, huh? And that's where he failed. So, strategies for spiritual warfare. One, humility. Like know your weaknesses, know where you need to help, need help. Two, accountability. Make sure you have people in your life that are telling that, that are there to tell you uh, what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. And then three, look, this isn't a passive thing. And we need to quit being passive in our faith. Meaning that we need to share our faith and take a risk. That we need to pray for people that we see that are in need that we need to help out at the food bank when we don't want to it means that when we need to go to that bible study when we want to stay home and you know binge watch netflix you want to know what michael's last thing that he did his last evening event he was at a bible study friday night Could you imagine if the Lord took you and you weren't at a Bible study the night before, but you were doing something else? Yeah. All right. Um, let's wrap her up. I got the elephants upstairs. The natives are restless. All right, I need to... Uh, let's receive the offering. If I could have the ushers come to the front. And if I could get the band to come to the front, too. Uh, Also, let's pull out our elements. I got the gluten-free one today, (laughs) not on purpose. (laughs) This is the body of Christ, which was broken for you. Provided for you, for everything that you need. This is literally the bread from heaven. And for us today, what it means is that we need to be wholeheartedly connected to the body of Christ. If you're not connected to the body of Christ, meaning church life, the devil's going to eat your lunch. You might deceive yourself thinking that, oh, I'm special. I'm too special for church. I'm too special for accountability. I'm too special to be humble. Don't deceive yourselves in this season. Get around people that will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. The body of Christ is here to support you. Receive the body of Christ. Unlike you, I committed no sins this week. I thought no negative thoughts. I didn't want to kill anybody in my mind. I did nothing wrong. I'm a good person. All right. You're not a good person. You are a saint. And So let's start acting like one. This is the blood of Christ that purifies us from all of our sins, the sins of the flesh and the sins of the mind. Without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins as we are broken vessels. But he is here to make us a new creation, and he does that by the blood of Jesus Christ. Receive the blood of Christ for your perfection, becoming a new creation. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness and your gentleness. And I pray right now that we will do some spiritual warfare and that we will direct our minds on things that are good, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable, things that are praiseworthy, and things that are excellent. May our spiritual warfare begin in our mind and what we think about and then be expressed on how we act personality. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will bless this offering. So this offering will do spiritual warfare against the spiritual forces of darkness in this land. May it literally undo the works of the devil. We thank you so much for your faithfulness in dark times. We thank you that you are the light in the valley of the shadow of death. And we have no reason to fear because you are with us and your rod and your staff they bring us comfort. It's the way we find it in this season. We love you, God. God bless you as you give back to the Lord. Out with that typical blessing. But you need to be mindful that you are walking out into the front lines today. That you have a real enemy. But that but Jesus has overcome. He's already won that fight. So you need to accept that victory. when you receive the blessing today I want you to even receive it as an assignment and as the power that you need to confront the spiritual forces of darkness it's going to cover your mind so that your mind will be a steel trap that won't let any negative lie be implanted into it this blessing will tell your soul will tell your soul that you need to become a better person and this blessing this blessing will activate your spirit where that flow of living water comes from so may the God of peace may the God of peace God himself he sanctify you through and through. May your whole body and your soul and your spirit may they be sanctified, getting better and better each and every day until the coming, the near imminent coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ until he returns. Until that day, do battle on the front lines. God bless you.